0: Well, I hope everyone uh, got their winning feelings in during the Week 3 win over the Minnesota Vikings because, yeah, that did not go well today for the Buffalo Bills. They lose 22 to nothing to the Green Bay Packers. Their uh, third loss out of four games to start the season. And the first time that they have been shut out since 2008? It's been a while. But here we are. The Bills, uh, of course, not really looking the part on offense. The defense didn't really look up to snuff early on. Maybe they kind of figured stuff out, but still, all the same, the Bills have a lot of questions stemming from that twenty-two to nothing loss to the Green Bay Packers. Welcome into the Bills Beat podcast, everyone. My name is Joe Biscalia. With me, as always, is Matthew Fairburn of the Athletic, and Matthew. I think there's a lot of different areas we can delve into in this game, but it really all circles circles around one side of the ball, and that being the offense, and really just looking inept on a complete basis. I mean, the quarterbacking, the running game, the offensive line, the wide receivers, every single area that you could possibly be bad they were today and we knew it was going to be a work in progress but man it was it was
1: ugly today it's tough to know where to start with the offense because it it's a total failure and we've talked about it basically all offseason all training camp through those first two games and I think we talked a little bit last week about not getting too excited about what had happened just because of the short fields they were playing with and just game flow going their way mm-hmm. from the jump. I mean, today they could not get off the ground at all. I think you can you can point the finger anywhere. I'm not sure there's a guy that can you know look himself in the mirror and say he played well at the end of the day. Maybe we'll go back and see an offensive lineman that played better than you thought. I thought Josh Allen was holding onto the ball too
0: long. Which is weird, because I thought he got that under control last week against Minnesota, or maybe that was just by Dable's design. He was confused, I think. I
1: think that's what I took away from this more than anything, is that the Packers confused him. They knew they were confusing him. They knew they could confuse him coming into the game. And they knew that, you know, it wasn't going to be—that he was going to make mistakes. And— I think they were kind of licking their chops a little bit, even seeing the film from the Vikings game because, sure, he was running around and making some plays, but he wasn't – how many throws have we seen him make in all all these games where you kind of say, wow. Mm -hmm. You know, there were a lot of those in the preseason and in training camp, some of those jaw-dropping moments, and we haven't quite gotten them with his arm. He's obviously made plays with his legs. And today he just looked confused. I don't think the moment was too big. I don't, I don't think he was rattled necessarily. But I just thought he wasn't picking up what the Packers were throwing at him. <clears throat> the pressure continues to kind of befuddle him. He doesn't anticipate it, and he doesn't really know what to do when it comes. He's running into sacks. His eyes are dropping. He's staring at the rush. A lot of bad things. All that said... This goes back to they haven't put him in a situation where he's going to be able to succeed with any sort of consistency. Mm -hmm. The offensive line is still very bad, uh, you know, and I can't tell you where the individual breakdowns were right now, but there were a lot of them. And when you allow as many sacks as they did, it's kind of a total effort. But I think more than that is just the playmakers, you know, the guys that – The three highest cap hits on offense, Charles Clay, Kelvin Benjamin, LaShawn McCoy, all did a big bag of nothing for you. Mm -hmm. Shady had five carries. Uh, Charles Clay had four catches. Most of those came late.
0: Hey, LaShawn McCoy had his second highest rushing total of the year today. And Kelvin
1: Benjamin had a season high with 34 yards on one catch. (laughs) I was going to say. On one catch. One catch for 34 yards, left the game uh, briefly with a head injury but came back. I mean, we've already kind of piled on him a bit, but he was, again, really bad today. Zay Jones is not doing anything, and he's picking up a lot of his yards in garbage time when teams back off. I think he's a guy that you go up to the line of scrimmage and you press him, and you know he's not getting away from you and Calvin Benjamin's not creating any separation so who's making plays for this football team I mean it was Josh Allen last week I don't think you're going to see Josh Allen make those types of plays very often because the book is out You know, people are starting to get an idea that this guy's going to move around and break tackles he'll still get his in the running game at times because he's good he's really athletic and he'll make plays but this is more of what you can expect. I mean, and it's weird because they still haven't really settled into, you know, being one thing or the other. They're either really, really bad or they had one really, really good game. And, you know, when you put three clunkers on tape like they have and their, their three losses, you know, you, you get an idea of what
0: this offense is. Yeah, and really the the problem, as you kind of alluded to, is – Four-pronged. I mean, usually it's only one or two different areas where you sit there and go, okay, well, that's not working, but at least these other things are working for for this side of the ball. But for the Bills, man, it's just a whole lot of nothing. I mean, when your offensive line can't get a push in the running game, that pushes you into becoming more one-dimensional. And if the running game isn't working, then you have to depend on the pass. But when you depend on the pass, the wide receivers aren't getting open. And at that point, the quarterback has to hold on to the ball too long. He'll tend to make more reckless decisions. The offensive line has to block for longer, which means they're probably going to allow more pressures. So where's the win there? I mean, that is just a circle of suck right there. And there's no really escaping the the carousel of uh, uh, of bad offensive play here. This is this is kind of what you get when you strip down an offense outside of Kelvin Benjamin and Lashawn McCoy and your rookie quarterback and say, all right, let's let's see who can play. That's the problem. I mean, you're. You might find people that can play, but you're also going to find out that a lot of the people you have out there can't play. And I think that's what we're seeing with them. I mean, the wide receivers are the most befuddling thing of all of this because Josh Allen, I think, is better than what he has represented. Today was a clunker of a game, no doubt. I mean, he was... This was his worst performance of the three by far, his three starts by far. I mean, he just it just didn't look like he was playing within the offense, tr- trying to do too much near the end of the first half and ended up throwing the ball across his body to the middle of the field. It's like, what the hell are you thinking on that throw? And even Sean McDermott, as soon as he was asked about it, he started shaking his head <laughs> at the press conference because it's, it's pretty plain to see. It's, it's basic football stuff. If you are throwing it across your body, rolling to the right, odds are you're going to get picked off, especially when you're chucking it down that far into the field. And he took 3 points off the board. And they probably wouldn't get back into this game, but that that doesn't matter. I mean, those are mistakes you can't make and those are mistakes that I think the Bills probably thought they they had a handle on, especially after he had one of those in the preseason, but it came back. And those are things he have they have to harp on with him, but I mean it all kind of goes to a bigger point too because right when we were having the debate about whether or not it's the right time to put Josh Allen into the starting lineup you had uh, I mean it was I think I think we did the podcast on that Sunday after the Ravens game and we were discussing okay pros and cons to starting Josh Allen these are the cons that you're seeing him not having the type of talent that is that a lot of the other rookie quarterbacks in the league that are starting right now have. Or at least they have something to hang their hat on to, that they don't have to put all the pressure on themselves. And this was my main uh, my main hesitation about putting him in the lineup at least this early on when they have no answers on the offensive side of the ball. We saw a lot of bad habits out there. And how do you prevent those from becoming commonplace for him as he goes forward? Because the more that he does stuff like that, the more commonplace it's going to be for him. And the more it's going to feel like normal for him. And that is the concern for me. And I think what you learn
1: from a game like this is that, you know, you never quite have those things figured out with a rookie quarterback. If you think you've coached him out of making plays like that or doing stupid things or any other bad habit. You know, the progression with a rookie quarterback is rarely linear, where it's just constantly improving. There's always going to be steps back, bumps in the road, things of that nature, particularly when you're dealing with an offense that is so devoid of talent the way this one is. I mean. It's tough to assign blame. It's tough to evaluate Josh Allen in the context of of what's going on. He's not making a lot of the right decisions that you want him to make, but there are so there also aren't that many good decisions to be made when guys aren't open and uh, you know you can't run the football and you're playing from behind and this is why last week was you know as promising as it was was a little bit of fool's gold because they were never really tested they weren't thrown in you know adverse situations they weren't playing behind the sticks a lot they were playing with a lead the entire game and quite frankly not to diminish what they did not to diminish what Josh Allen did but a lot of quarterbacks particularly from the passing standpoint because what he did with his legs last week in Minnesota was pretty outstanding, and I don't Mm, think a lot of guys can do that. I think, you know, he's got some rare ability there. But strictly from a passing standpoint, he didn't do a lot against the Vikings that pretty much any quarterback couldn't have done. Uh, You know, obviously the Nathan Petermans of the world notwithstanding. Replacement-level quarterbacks can make a lot of the throws that he was making, they weren't high difficulty throws, and you're playing with a lead. Your defense is rolling. That's a comfortable situation for a quarterback to be in. This one, not so much. You know, you're down seven nothing early and fighting an uphill battle, but the three and outs are a huge problem for this team. At one point, I was keeping track. A garbage time might have thrown this off, but they had as many drives with that resulted in negative yardage as they did drives where they were able to get at least one first down, you know, there was I think seven, three and outs that they had. Like, I mean, again, it's just a, you're not going to win when you're playing football that way, when you're getting behind the sticks. And a lot of that has to do with having a rookie quarterback who doesn't have a good offensive line and doesn't have guys who can bail them out in situations. Um, and he's not getting rid of the ball quickly enough, quite frankly. He, he was standing back there for a while at times. And you can't really have that. And so it's going to be a, a trying season in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. I think, for for Bill's fans. Uh, for the fans in particular, for the coaching staff and for players on this team, because you're going to have to ride the waves with this kid. And I think they, they should have known that going in. And... Now they're kind of stuck riding that wave because, you know, they've thrown them in and they haven't left theirsel- themselves any other option. And this is how it goes when you have a guy that's as raw as he is trying to learn on the fly in a, in a three-game stretch where he's playing against the Chargers, the Vikings, and the Packers in back-to-back weeks. You're going to have games like this one. This is as big a wave <laughs> as you're going to get. I mean— I'd like to say that this is as bad as it's going to get,
0: but that might not be true. It could get worse. It I mean, was bad today, but it could get worse. I mean, he was 9 of 25 through into the fourth quarter for less than 100 yards and had three turnovers to his name. I mean, no, I'm sorry, two turnovers to his name because he didn't have the third fumble, just the third one just yet. But, I mean, still, that's, that's a zero burger on the road and... It can't get much worse, No, you never know. You never know. I guess you, I guess with, you can Peterman the freaking there, joint. Exactly.
1: But. There's more turnovers to be had, uglier interceptions. This is one of those games, one that we've seen all too often, not just with Josh Allen, but in recent years, where you sit there and say, like, what? They just did nothing on offense. Mm-hmm. Just nothing because nobody can get open. Ever since they, you know, in games when they don't have – Guys like Sammy Watkins, Robert Woods, you know, these guys that were quality NFL receivers, um, not maybe not pro bowlers, but quality players, they haven't really replaced those guys with quality players. And they need to almost rebuild that room from scratch. Yeah, I know. I, and I don't think you can go into the off season and say— you know, yeah, Zay Jones we're good with he, he's gonna be our number two like they did last year. Well, we don't need to replace our number two because we've got Zay Jones and we've got Kelvin Benjamin as our number one. You don't have any anybody that should be guaranteed a roster spot next year. And that's kind of ridiculous. Yeah, like that tells you what Josh Allen is playing with. You've got maybe what one offensive lineman that you can say for sure should have a roster spot on this team next year. Yeah, Dion. That's probably it. I mean, you can make a case for some of the younger guys that are depth guys. I'm sure you know you're not going to cut Wyatt Teller necessarily. A Maybe lot of those guys do, but, are like, but those are below replacement level players. I think in a lot of instances, mm-hmm. and they're not young. They're not. There's not a lot of room to grow uh, with a lot of these guys. They are what they are, and that's it's. It makes you wonder about the plan a little bit. It makes you you know, look at the big picture and kind of wonder where they're going uh, in terms of building this thing because as much as people talk about the cap room and the draft picks, there's not a lot of, you can't fix everything all at once. Mm-mm. You're not gonna get four Pro Bowl linemen to um, jump in here and, and sign free agent contracts. No. So you only have one first round pick. Uh, to spend on a guy that's going to make an impact for you right away. And it's just – it's not going to be fixed overnight, and Josh Allen's going to have to continue to kind of struggle through it.
0: Back to the the wide receivers really quickly. Um, Zay Jones, the way that he has been performing through the first quarter of the season, I think he'll be here next year, but he's looking like nothing more than a, a fourth or fifth wide receiver right now. And he doesn't do special teams, so it's like – He's got to pick it up. Like, this, this is his career. This is the best chance he's going to have in his career to cement a starting job in the NFL. And, you know, I I don't want to uh, to have people think, well, it's only his second year. But, I mean, this is, it's fleeting in the NFL. You have to jump at those opportunities, and he just hasn't done the job. He's not getting separation out there. There is a reason why Josh Allen is hanging on to the ball as much as he is. While true, he struggles in the mental processing side a a little bit, he can also identify open targets uh, specifically over the middle of the field, and that is where Zay Jones is supposed to be winning. Kelvin Benjamin is supposed to be winning some routes, and now Josh Allen is hesitant to throw to Kelvin Benjamin when he's in those covered situations because he's not coming down with the ball. So if you don't have that trust in your receivers to win, what do you got? There are... Quite literally, no answers at wide receiver on the roster right now. I mean, the only one that has a slight bit of uh, optimism is Ray Ray McLeod. We're talking about a sixth round draft pick. I mean, Andre Holmes is what he is. He's a six foot four guy who plays like he's five foot 11. Zay Jones can't get separation, even though that should be the key to his game. Kelvin Benjamin certainly can't get separation and is completely slow in and out of his breaks uh who else? Robert Foster ha- is having trouble tracking the ball and is kind of a, a one-trick pony on uh, a, a, as a route runner at this point in his career. That's it. That's the room. And the only thing we don't know is how Ray Ray McLeod performs. And I'm gonna I'm gonna have a spoiler alert here. Ray Ray McLeod is not going to be your <laughs> leading receiver. I mean if he does, good for him I'll, I'll have egg on my face But he's a 6th round pick He's a late 6th round pick What do you expect From the receiver room that you have You knew what you had in Kelvin Benjamin You knew that you needed Some more speed out there You knew you, knew you needed somebody that could separate You don't have that, you just don't So They have to be prepared For Josh Allen to have some really dumb-looking plays out there. And he had a bunch of those today. And some of them were his fault. Some of them were not. But it's it's almost as though the Bills really have to look themselves in the mirror when they get maybe through mid-October, before the trade deadline, something, and sit there and say, All right, well, this isn't working through six, eight games of the year. Maybe we should find some guys who might work. Just throw a bunch of strands of spaghetti at the wall and see which one sticks, right? I mean, that's that's the only thing that you can take away from a year like this because you know it's going to be bad. Sean McDermott, even after the Minnesota Vikings win, continued to push forward the rhetoric of got a young team, we're learning. That was a good even after the win. He said that was a good thing to learn from. You know, we're still evolving. It's still it's still going through the process. And you know, I I know the the inclination to think that's just coach speak, but that was not something that he pushed forward in his press conferences in 2017. Everything was about They think they have the right team. They're not laying down everything like that because they truly believed it. But they know deep within their souls that this year was probably going to be bad. So there's a reason why McDermott continues to push the same song and dance each week after wins, losses, what have you. But they need to figure out the offense. They need to figure out who can play on the offense. And through a quarter of the season, we found maybe like two or three guys that that can play right now. And... Other than that, it, it might be a struggle. So they've got they've got some some work to do. And uh, I want to get into LaShawn McCoy. We're going to do that after what we're working on. So do you have anything to add before we get into what we're working on in that? Because I, I think it's just... You just need to come to expect that this is how it's going to be. Yeah, we'll touch on that
1: more as the episode goes on. But I... As I sit here and think about it, they and we'll get to this, but I think they could practically almost rebuild from scratch mm-hmm. on the offense. You know, you yeah. can almost get rid of everybody. <laughs> I mean, you can't replace everybody at once, but in, you know, over the course of the next two off-seasons, there's not a lot of long-term
0: fixtures. Seriously. On this group. This is a great point. Who on this roster on the offensive side of the ball are you hanging on to past 2018? Josh Allen, Deion Dawkins, Zay Jones out of principle. Name me another one. Seriously, name one. Yeah, well, maybe
1: we'll do. We'll dig into this after. Uh, yeah, after because yeah, because I think it's it's an interesting discussion and it's it, it kind of splinters off in a few
0: different ways. Yeah. All right. So what what we're working on, uh, Matthew? What's new over at the Athletic with you?
1: Yeah, at TheAthletic.com, I wrote about Chris Ivory uh, as I teased out uh, on Thursday. Pretty cool getting to know him and and his story a little bit better, talking to some of his old coaches about going from being a a two-star recruit to getting kicked out of Washington State, ending up at Tiffin. Really odd winding path for him to be a 30-year-old running back in the NFL who's made more than $20 million. Um, That's up over at TheAthletic.com. Tim and I are both – here in green bay trying to piece together some words about the slop that was on the field here mm. uh, from the buffalo bills slop uh, is a great word because that's it's what it was for most of the day it was a whole lot of slop and so we're uh, we're cobbling together some some news and notes and pros on that. Uh, and a couple, of, a, a couple not, of slop cobblers, if you I'm not, will. <laughs> I'm not sure that, uh, I'm not, you know, it's one of those things where a game like that, people aren't exactly jonesing to, to get to the, the copy, get to the, the presses and see what's being said. But we, we'll have some stuff for you. And looking ahead kind of big picture-wise uh, in terms of what this means, and, you know, there was a couple of Packers reporters here for The Athletic as well, um, who have gathered some interesting stuff on Josh Allen and, and the surrounding uh, and what the defense was able to do to him. So you can go to theathletic.com slash BillsBeat and still get yourself 40% off a year's subscription. Gets you in the door around two ninety nine. And Tim had a few interesting uh, things at the end of last week in terms of um, a, a Q&A with Mark Murphy. There were Bills people here checking out the stadium um, and what the Packers have done here it's an option for you know what the what the Bills might do. So yeah, you can go to the athletic.com/billsbeat and get 40% off. What's going on at WKBW?
0: Yeah, uh the the usual seven observations which spoiler alert, it's going to have a lot to do with the offense. Um stuff about the wide receivers that that uh we've touched on a bit just expounding on it a bit more. And then on the defensive side too, where I think I, I don't think we're going to get into that as much on this podcast, but you know, it's uh, the defense has uh, kind of rounded into shape a little bit. So that that's going to be a part of the observations um, as well. On Tuesday coming up will be the all 22 breakdown where I grade each and every player. And I'm going to go out on a limb and guess it's not going to be pretty for the offensive side of the ball. So uh, but that's the beauty of doing this thing, because sometimes you think one thing and, and then you find that you've that it's uh, another thing that's. That's uh, the case on the film. So uh, that's going to be over at WKBW.com thr- throughout the week. My God, that's Tim Graham's music, ladies and gentlemen. Making his second uh, appearance on the Bills beat. The other time he was breathing. When was the first? When you came into the room while we were recording while you were breathing. Oh, okay. So, so this is your, your, second, your first voice appearance. Yeah,
2: I got a little walking around coffee. Yeah, you guys have been on for an hour and a half already. <laughs> no, no. Here, that's... take a seat,
0: Tim. No, I'm all right. Oh, okay. I'm all right. Fine. I'm just gonna. I'm
2: move just it stretching my legs. Backwards. I'm taking a. Uh, what? All right. I, then nobody wants to listen to me marvel at this technology. It's 27 minutes. Don't don't look at the first. Oh, number. I see. Okay, 27 yeah. minutes. The, we're in
0: the first hour, basically. What
2: are we on here? What are we talking? What's the subject? Well,
0: we were just
2: going to. Uh, and I understand I'm allowed to uh, curse. Yes. Yes. Okay. yes.
0: Um, be
2: a. Uh, yeah, do whatever the hell you want. Um, so- well, how about this? You want me to break some news, you sons of bitches? <laughs> sure. <laughs>
0: sure, TJ. I'll break
2: some goddamn news. How about, I haven't mentioned it yet, but the Tim Graham Show is coming back on Sports Radio 1270, The Fan. Look at you go. Wow. wow. Think on Wednesday. We still have some things to finalize. Nice. But four to you. six, usual time. Cool. Looking forward to having you guys on as guests. Yeah, that'll be fun. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, All right, so there's my advertisement. What are we? Uh, what are we on? All
0: right. Well, we just kind of touched on something a little bit. Um, so, where we kind of got into is with the offense, because obviously the, the one the one word that Matthew used to describe it was slop, which is pretty fitting. But even a bigger point is who from this roster is worth bringing back in 2019 and beyond. I mean, especially on offense. A, a, Who on, on offense, offense are you keeping
1: beyond 2019? On offense,
0: I've I named three, three: Josh Allen, Dion Dawkins, and Zay Jones. Out of principle, because he was a second-round pick.
2: Okay. Is there anybody else? I mean, no. I think that's about it. it.
0: That is as telling a statement as anything in terms of what we can really expect to see with with this freaking offense
2: the thing that you want to say is LaShawn McCoy every time that's your default answer when you and I think that's what fans do and you should and that's what we did in the media do you think they have a superstar his name's LaShawn McCoy and you think back on that Kiko Alonso trade and how great that was and when you're thinking about the Doug Whaley era that was the one thing Bill's fans could say is well at least our guys knew what the hell they were doing when they got LaShawn McCoy that's a victory When the team wasn't going to the playoffs for 17 straight years, you could at least say, Yeah, but we got LaShawn McCoy, a guy who gets taken in the first round of your fantasy draft, and we're going to see highlights of him, and he's going to rush for 10,000 and maybe get to 12,000 and get in the Hall of Fame. And there was something to be proud of with LaShawn McCoy, but he ran five times today. Yep. Josh Allen ran five times today, and LaShawn McCoy's just not a part of this offense through four games. And of course, he missed the third, you know, the game in Minnesota, but. I don't know that he would have gotten the ball then either because right. there was no running game to establish. They get away from it quickly. Yes, they've been trailing. Um, but I think a part of the reason why they trail and they get down so much is their, their uh, unwillingness to want to get him more involved in the offense. And it's not as though they're so rich in other aspects of their offense that they can say, well, we can afford to not use LaShawn McCoy today. Right. They threw it to him on the first play of the game, and then Josh Allen threw a bunch of incomplete passes. At one time, he had eight straight incomplete passes and a sack over a nine pass play stretch in the in the end of the first quarter and and towards halftime. I mean, it's unacceptable. So you that's what your passing offense is doing, and you're still not getting LeSean McCoy the ball. I'm not. I don't know if that's a Brian Dable shortcoming, if. LaShawn McCoy's banged up more than we know and some things are happening in practice that they don't feel that they have the trust to get him the ball yet. I don't I don't know, but it's confusing to me when there's nothing else going. Unless, all right, so now I'm rambling, but what if it's just a situation where they say we're going to let we're going to win and lose every week with Josh Allen until he learns? Maybe. I know that's just a that's like an optimist's type of explanation for you. It's like, all right, well, at least that's something, because otherwise there's no plan at all. Sean McDermott
0: did say after the game that uh, LaShawn McCoy, his carry total had nothing to do with the fact of his injury. So that uh, that is at least chucked into the conversation here. But I wonder if it's also this. Think about where Brian Dable comes from, which is New England, Alabama, all of these types of things. And over the last several years of the offenses that he has been a part of, there has not been that one true stud running back that they just ride until the end of time. It is usually a two to three back system. They highlight a back every single week. And, you know, they have gotten down, which has not helped the problem in the games that LaShawn McCoy has been here. But all that said, I mean, this is not an offensive coordinator that usually or that has been a part of teams that has highlighted a player
2: like LaShawn McCoy before. And, and think of the money that you could save if you just get rid of LaShawn McCoy. Yeah. And yeah, it would hurt uh, in terms of your identity. You're a Bills fan. There are a lot of 25 jerseys out there in the stands. I know he has been the guy you could hang your hat on over the past few years. But even if LaShawn, even if the Bills are 4-0 and right now, it is still a pretty much proven fact in the NFL, from an efficiency standpoint on your payroll, that most of the money gets wasted in the backfield at running back, because mm. you can find a replacement that is maybe a step down, but usually a lot cheaper. You know, the the premium running backs are usually overpaid in you know, relative to uh, your what they do for your offense, and and if they're not going to use them, then why give them all this money? Right, and I think. There's,
1: on some level, I don't know that running the ball is going to correlate into winning. You know, that there's the idea that you got to stick to the run, establish the run. I don't know that it's entirely true, but I think probably it's the most depressing part about the Bills' offense is that you're not even looking at the future, really. <laughs> because <laughs> right. usually in a year like this, you say, well, hey, you know, it's a young quarterback, and he's growing, and, you know— the offense is coming together around him and we're watching these guys develop. All you're watching is a young quarterback get his brains beaten in and with who around him. No other guys that you can confidently say are part of the future of this team. You have the the three biggest cap hits on offense. Kelvin Benjamin, Charles Clay, and LaShawn McCoy are all kind of dead weight at this point. You duh, almost, duh, duh. You almost so feel far. obligated to, you know, funnel the offense through Clay and Benjamin, and neither of them are worthy of that. And so then you're not funneling the offense through LaShawn McCoy, whether he's not 100% or the run blocking isn't good enough. Maybe he's lost a step. It's kind of impossible to say because he's only had 21 carries. I think only one of them has gone for more than 20 yards this season. So, I mean, you've got almost $30 million in cap dollars, tied up to those three guys who are doing nothing. Then you have $50 million in cap dollars tied up to guys who aren't even here.
2: Seven sacks today, and, when, and the offensive line has been a problem since preseason. We've been talking about it for well over a month. So it's not just a regular season or a recent phenomenon. When you're having offensive line problems, and you would think, particularly with a rookie quarterback, who are the guys who should get the ball the most? Your running back and your tight end because mm-hmm. it can get the ball as fast out of the – or a slot receiver. You know, yeah, if you got a slot receiver. Um, but the Bills really haven't established that either. But your tight end and your running back should be the two security blankets for your young quarterback, and neither of them are involved in the offense. So it, it none of it adds up. So seven sacks today, and they're not getting the ball to the guys who are closest to the line of scrimmage who can, uh, who can take the ball from Josh Allen in a passing situation.
0: I, I thought of another one that I would keep. Vlad Tukas. I'll keep him. He's been, he's been fine this year. Anyway, back to McCoy. If this is what they're going to do with, with McCoy, just freaking deal him already. Because he's wasting away. You can go out and sign a running back off a practice squad somewhere. You can go and find someone that you can see if maybe they're going to be a part of the future. Because it's pretty clear at, at LaShawn McCoy's age and how much they're utilizing him you can spend a lot less and potentially get a resource in return for his services in what is likely to be a down year. And you don't have a running back that is probably pretty pissed off right now. And it's pretty clear to see why. I mean, his highest rushing total so far this year is 39 yards in a single game. Today was his second highest rushing total of the season. What do you have, 24? I mean... He's ticked off and he has good reason to be. And by the way, you you mentioned, Tim, you mentioned LaShawn had five carries, Josh Allen had five carries. Guess who had six? Chris Ivory. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is it's it's evident that the Bills aren't
2: valuing McCoy the way that he is used to be being valued. And if they don't you're gonna see a run of people asking for their season ticket money back if they don't start using Pat DeMarco more. Absolutely. If they I mean, don't start feeding him the ball, I mean, that's the biggest crime in all of this.
1: <laughs> he had a twenty-yard catch the one game. He's he's got some juice. I think he's, he's another guy. You're paying all this money I know. for. He's a leader, fullback. He's a captain. He's
0: a captain. He's a captain. He, he plays a handful of snaps a game. He plays a know? lot of special teams. A lot but, of special teams. But that's that's a thing about this team. I know you and I, Matthew, have talked about this I so many times off the Demarco, air. you probably keep. Well, you didn't even remember him because they don't use him. Right. But, I mean, that's one of the most peculiar things about this roster. How many guys that they keep for special teams-only stuff? And how many guys are active for special teams-only stuff? Patrick DeMarco is one of them. Uh, Whichever tight end that they end up utilizing, whether it be Kari Lee or or Logan Thomas. Then you have on the defensive side, Deion Lacey and Julian Stanford both don't sniff the defense. Lafayette Pitts. Saran Neal. Andre Holmes, who gets out on the offense only because they don't have anyone. I mean, they, that is
2: far too many special teams-only guys. That's Saran Neal went and got him some today. He, he got did. a sack. He had a big sack. He got a sack. Because you knew Aaron Rodgers was getting ready to go uncork one. Because oh, yeah. right? he's like, oh, <laughs> Saran Neal's in the game. And then all of a sudden, Saran Neal is in his, What's a, in his face mask.
1: Aaron Rodgers was not happy. He said it was one of the worst. Offensive games they've played in a while yeah, well, today, which yeah. is telling Start, because started off well. It wasn't yeah. all that bad. Uh, you know, all he had to do was look across the sideline to see how much worse it could be. What bad actually looks like? You <laughs> I know? know, I mean, if if that's your version of bad, then you know, that's that's pretty good. It's got high standards. Yeah. Well, and the Bills don't Rightfully right so. now. And the Bills have shown have not shown to this point this regime. That they can identify and develop offensive talent. They haven't. They haven't taken a lot of stabs at it. No. Uh, and we'll. The obviously we don't know with Josh Allen. That's the the ultimate uh, pick right there. If if he pans out, then you know everything else will be secondary. But Zay Jones isn't all that good. Deion Dawkins looks like he's a part of the future, but yeah. I don't know that you can say for sure that he's your cornerstone at left tackle. Maybe you move them around at some point if you can upgrade that spot. And other than that, they haven't really made a whole lot of effort. You know, they've kind of patched things together with 30-year-old running backs and retreat offensive linemen and receivers who can only play special teams and these gadget receivers who aren't even... You know, Robert Foster is your deep ball guy and he's he can't catch deep balls. He can't track the football. All he can do is run. So... I mean, at some point, they need to take some swings on offense and show that they can develop
0: those guys too. He's like the kid in Little Giants who has to use like the, like the the sticky stuff and gets it stuck to his jersey and has to like pump it back and forth to his heart to to get it get it uh, get the ball caught. I mean, this is it. It's not. Not good out there.
2: There's there's not a lot
0: of talent on the field, and eventually something has to
2: get with this offense. I'm just looking around Lambeau Field right now. By the way, my first time to Lambeau Field. I've covered the NFL for 11 years, but wow. for whatever reason, I've just never been here. First time for all three of us. No, and this I, is my second time. You were here as, as a media as guy. As a fan, Mr. Yeah, Blaine, Blaine Gabbert fan. Gabbert was, look. I just want to ask you guys, while it's fresh, I just want to ask maybe, I'll ask Joe, what what his favorite Arnie uh, Herber reference, or uh, Arnie Herber uh, moment was. Is it Herber or Hair Bear? Oh, Air Bear? Like Bobby A. Bear? Yeah, something. Oh. You never know. Arnie. There's
0: a lot of unrecognizable names on the... Uh, My personal favorite is John Blood McNally. Johnny Blood. Ray Nietzsche. You're goddamn right. (laughs) Nietzsche. Great philosopher. Nietzsche. <laughs> I, w- I will say... this. this it's, Ray, it's Ray Nitschke. Yeah. This place brought it, right? Lambeau Field was great. I have a
1: question. Are all Go these on. people cleaning up, are these like citizens who come and clean up the
0: stadium? Yes, and if you notice, before they went through and, and did all the garbage cleanup, uh, they went through and grabbed each one of the little like uh, cushioned seats that the season ticket holders leave at their seats and they rack them up and they place them here before the game because these are metal bleachers these are are.
2: what you'd see at will north like these are high school style metal bleachers out here in the stands and then yeah then all the way around yeah yeah which i didn't realize during the game because of all the seat backs you probably have to pay extra for that right yeah because you can't bring that into the stadium anymore
1: no and the upper deck is new i believe that that section uh on the right is new okay and that is the uh that is the, the, the fancy seats. Seat. yeah
0: looks like a baseball stadium but right there. full marks to lambeau field because i mean it's, it's just walking around the place it's really cool what they did with it i mean how nostalgic is this you uh, if you drive a car here from a media perspective you park your car right next to the stadium on a grass lot and this is an nfl team i mean that that that's pretty cool and uh, along with all the stadium stuff and all of the uh, all of the way that they've renovated it, uh, I mean it's just uh, full marks to to uh, Green it's Bay. Huge that, too. Yeah, it's huge, yeah. It's it's
2: ginormous. Seats a lot of a lot of folks. I think it's the second or third largest stadium in the NFL wow. for in terms of capacity. Yeah, I've been really impressed by the the
0: three major renovations of older stadiums that have been done in the NFL, which is Lambeau, uh, Soldier, and uh,
2: when th- Arrowhead. Arrowhead, and yes. One thing that Matt and I noticed during the game is no ribbon boards in this stadium. Like Which it. is a huge like source it. of revenue for a lot of teams, and yeah. they have not done ribbon boards. And there's places for them all over. You could have ribbon boards in any number of places in here. And the other thing that I think is cool is right above Vince Lombardi's name on their Ring of Fame or their Ring of Honor, I don't know what they call it here, yeah. uh, is an old-school style scoreboard. Also like you'd see in a stadium or even maybe in a gymnasium where it's not... Uh, it's not no digital. Thrills. It's not um, on the scoreboard like you get in other places. Yeah. It's not um, uh, LED. It's the old school style, just lit up. And they also and good had stuff.
1: you notice time of possession was like one of the three categories up on the main scoreboard, which is a is a fun little thing. I old feel like stats. it's very uh, very football centric in this crowd. These people take it. People take it seriously, and it's uh, it's cool atmosphere. Yeah. I'm sorry
2: if I derailed it by talking about Lambeau. No, no, it's great because I want to get into that I mean, anyway. What else
0: you know, is this, there to say about the the Bills offense, really? This is a—if uh, you've never been here, make sure to put it on your bucket list. If you're a huge NFL fan— I'm Getting tickets, though. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the tough part. Um, and but, it is a hike. Yes. It is not easy to get to, so
1: if you're ever in the neighborhood, right. you know— who was it we ran into did uh, Wrigley Field Notre Dame and
2: you're from Channel 7 um Bill uh he refs my son's uh bas- Amherst Youth League basketball he's in sales at Channel 7 Oh, okay and he and his son his son and his son's friend did Wrigley Friday night uh, Notre, Notre Dame, Dame Stanford Stanford, Stanford and tonight so they wow. had three legendary stadiums all in one week you're not going
1: to do it much better than that i don't think because Chicago to here is only about four hours the problem is you have to backtrack to get to south bend right but you
0: know that's neither here nor there It's yeah. a lot of history it's yeah. a lot of
2: ghosts yeah a lot of sporting ghosts in these buildings
0: yeah but, indeed but uh, if you ever do if you do ever find yourself getting a chance to come to lambo and you're like all right i got some time and maybe some extra dollars to spend Fully encourage it, and then give yourself some time when you get here. Walk around the whole freaking stadium. Do the Hall of Fame, which yeah. we didn't get to do. I've been in it before. It's yeah. Check neat. out
2: the Arnie Herber exhibit. <laughs> Check out
1: the Green Bay Distillery, which is right near the uh, practice facility. That's apparently, right. yeah. Highly came highly recommended, but we weren't able to make it.
0: Yeah. All right, gentlemen. Well, uh, Tim, thanks for uh, thanks making for having your, me your on your official debut. And Matthew, should we have Tim give a? Uh, at a Come On Darlene. To oh, the I totally forgot about the award section. So, do you know about the? <laughs> oh, the, the, I do. I do. You know full well about Come On Darlene. Oh, so, this is pressure, though. So, uh, here's the, the thing. I'm going to to give Tim my Come On Darlene spot in the bracket because okay. we're, what we're doing is we're we're doing one each Come On Darlene, which will give us 32 for the whole season. Then okay. we're going to do a bracket in the off season to see which Come On Darlene moment wins okay. uh, the Come On Darlene award. So, Matthew, so wait there's two idea. per game yes two per yeah, podcast yeah we we,
2: yeah. we each or, do one so. okay well how about a few guys you get you do your yeah. so maybe i'll get a, get a little yeah. flow yeah. we had ahead.
1: the upper deck man boob guy yeah that Baltimore was dancing game. on yeah. you remember him mm-hmm. the topless guy who was it last week there was oh it was the guy who had um who was it uh 69 yeah but he didn't have 69 where right. were we
0: Sixty one. It was uh Oh, it was in Minnesota. Minnesota. Yes. It, it
1: was a guy with a Vikings jersey on that was customized and it said Packers suck. Right. The number was I mean, yes. sixty one, and I, I gave him come on Darlene for missing a huge opportunity to have uh, Packers Suck sixty
2: one. Oh, yeah. See, but you guys think of this stuff throughout the game as and I heard you guys talking, Oh, that's gonna be my come on Darlene. <laughs>
0: Matthew, I'm like, Matthew was guilty.
2: Well, either. now I'm, I didn't know I was going to have to do one.
0: Well, I mean, Matthew, why don't you just... just My come no on, Darlene, service. is going to go me. to... It's elaborate.
1: Mine is <laughs> going to go to, and you you already know this fellow, this character here, the guy who sat next to me on the plane from oh, yes. from Chicago to Milwaukee, which is a 15-minute flight. And he was... I don't know if he was nervous. I'm not sure what, what his deal was, but... He kept opening that little sliding window and then slamming it shut. We had a 15-minute flight, and he probably did it 20 times. And then, I mean, I I could get into more of what he said, but we would need the bleep button uh, Mm -hmm. quite a bit. Mm -hmm. But he was just mouthing off, and he was beside himself that it was a 15-minute flight from Chicago to Milwaukee. (laughs) And he was chugging Red Bull. He was... He was quite the seatmate, and uh, and it was at night too. Red Bull at night, which is yeah, a reckless decision. Red Bull beef jerky, and then he was looking out. Stop. The, he was looking out the window as if to like measure our progress. Like ah uh, yes, here we are.
2: <laughs> We're about five minutes away now, and then slamming it shut. I can to tell the point by that light pattern exactly what <laughs> interstate
1: that is. All the neighbors are you know in rows behind and and next to us are looking over like. What the hell is this guy doing? Because he's he's not just shutting the window; he's slamming it shut. It was it was something, and I'll I'll even be this guy and and throw a bonus jab at United Airlines for oh, charging twenty five no. bucks to oh, check geez. the bags. FFS, man, come on. Yeah. Um, now I know why people complain about that
0: airline. I never fly it. Yeah, they they won't be sponsoring us <laughs> anytime soon. So week four, Matthew Fairburns, uh, come on, Darlene goes to airplane window... Red Bull open, guy. Uh, Red Bull guy open and shutter of windows. You had to have one ready to go, though, right? I to mean... Come on, Darlene. I mean, if I if I didn't hand it off, I would have been thinking the whole time Matthew was doing it. Because I usually don't think of it until we're, we're recording, which probably isn't the best thing, but hey, you know what? You got. You just got to feel the moment. You know? I'm a planner.
2: I'm going to give mine to uh, Arnie Herber. <laughs> and... Uh, People what? don't know who this guy is. But I guarantee you, if you looked him up, there's going to be something that he did. Because the guy's in the well, now we MF and Hall up, of Fame. Then. He's in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And I... He's in the Pro Football Hall of Fame? Yes, he is. And he threw way more interceptions than touchdown passes. Because it was back in the day when <laughs> they tail back through uh, Through the ball and if you take a look he like led the league in interceptions every year and he somehow got in the Hall of Fame I don't know what he did he has a
0: 81 to 106 touchdown to interception ratio
2: yeah but he's a four time NFL champion 40.9 completion percentage well yeah, that's the era good, uh,
0: this is
1: actually a really quality the, he the the played in the 1930s to
2: 1940 according to at least with the Packers and, uh, yeah, I think that uh, we need to take a hard look at who <laughs> picks these Hall of Famers. <laughs> Arnie Herber, I'm sure he was a gem. I'm, he was probably on the front page of the Green Bay Gazette and, uh, and the— uh, He looks like a hell of a talker. Yeah, Arnie Herber. And his number as a quarterback, 38. Yes, and you know what? I, I, it's coming back to me. I think Arnie Herber, because of the name, I wrote it. I actually wrote it. relatively recently, within the last couple of years, I think he was the last player to throw six interceptions and a half or something like that. Like I did my research and when it was the whole with um, Nathan Peterman. Wow. And I had to go back to Arnie Herber. um, And I think at one point in his career, he wore a number in the 60s. Perhaps I don't know if you were on that. Uh, he because I even mentioned it in the story, something along the lines of, wow, um, it, the guy was so played so long ago that his number was sixty nine. You know, Packers suck sixty nine. <laughs> what what's up there at the top? They show that Matt, you're in the. Oh, it doesn't do uniform numbers on there. Um, oh wait, it, I thought it did. It used to, oh, but it not Back in the day, Maybe he maybe played before there were numbers on Jersey. He played
1: halfback, defensive back, quarterback, and BB,
2: which. Barback? Yeah. <laughs> back. Yeah, probably. Maybe that's how he got in the Hall of Fame. He, he got everybody drunk. Um,
1: it's got fantasy points oh, wow. on his pro football reference page. Uh, it,
0: in 1969, he was selected to the all-1930s team. Heck yeah. And then two months later, died of cancer at the age of 59 in Green Bay. So he stayed in Green Bay after he played. So... It doesn't look like they have. But that game gets works. all right. So that gets He's him from, from
2: Green Bay. Okay, but that's fine. So that gets him on the ring up there at Lambeau yeah. Field. But what, that gets him into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. It gets him into Canton. That's hey. There's your FFS. <laughs> no, say it right. Come on, Darlene. Come on, Darlene. Well, there it is.
0: There it is. All right. Two other awards to hand out: Vontae Davis Award and the Dree Archer Award. The Dree Archer Award goes to the player that didn't show up at all. The Vontae Davis Award goes to the player that didn't show up in the second half. I'll do the Dree Archer because I did Vontae Davis last week. Um, Dree Archer award goes to... Zay Jones. Has to be. He was nowhere to be found when the game actually mattered. First catch was six minutes left in the game.
2: Six minutes left in the game, he had his first catch. Yeah,
0: he was, I mean, a total non-factor in this game. I don't even think he was targeted um, up until the fourth quarter. And that, I mean, it just all goes to the offensive point that we've been making throughout this podcast, that the effort they that they've been getting from guys that they might be trying to invest in just isn't there. Matthew, how about you with the Vontae Davis Award that didn't show up in the second half? Man, I mean,
1: you can go any direction with this one because most of these guys didn't show up. I'm, I'll give it to – I want to give it to LaShawn McCoy, but
2: hey, it's – Maybe it's not his fault. It's not really his fault. How about fault? Brian
1: Dable could be Brian Dable cuz yeah who where was he i'm going kelvin benjamin though cuz that guy he was invisible in the first half but he was even worse uh, in the second half and he got hurt i know you know what a jerk i am for piling on a guy who was hurt but he came back into the game and he he just was not open i mean at i i almost expect at some point that we're going to like have to you know, eat some crow on this. Like he's gonna have some breakout game because we keep piling on him every week. But the longer this goes on, the more I'm thinking he he just sucks.
0: He he's gonna he's cruising to get dealt, but I don't even know what you get for him at this point. I really don't.
1: Same goes for LaShawn McCoy. I think you maybe however, missed the boat on the trade value of any however, of your assets.
0: This is also a team that just traded Marshall Newhouse. True. So if Marshall Newhouse has value after the whatever four or five penalty weird, he wrapped up, he got
1: like a twenty twenty one conditional seventh, which is close to nothing. It's something. It is something. <laughs> but how many teams around the league are going to look at the Bills and say, "I want, I want me a piece of that
2: offense"? Yeah. Well, here's the thing. I guess it's like with uh, Corey Coleman, there might be a team out there that says because of our structure and the fact that we're competitive, we can maybe inspire this guy to play right. for us as opposed to I think there's there are a lot of coaches, scouts, GMs out there that think well it ha- some humans just when they're in a bad place don't put forth the effort uh, and of course that says something about their character right there but there's probably some people out there who think well it is buffalo and maybe it's just hard for these guys to get going and because they're now 1-3, and three, it's hard. I don't know. There, and might-
1: there is the argument to be made that a team could look at it and blame the offensive situation for Benjamin and McCoy's yeah. struggles and say, these guys are suffering because of what's around them. Let's pluck them out, make Kelvin Benjamin our, our red zone guy, and you know, scheme them open and find a better way to use them if, if they think these guys are being misused. So maybe you get fourth-round picks. Yeah, I mean— or, Take what you can
0: get. Or even another selling point, maybe a team looks at Kelvin Benjamin and what he is right now and says, all right, we'll use him as, as a move tight end sort of role right. rather, rather than an actual receiver because it's it's pretty clear he's not getting the separation out there. So many different things for the Bills to consider as uh, as those non-future crew of Benjamin, McCoy, Clay that we've been talking about. They, uh, I mean, I think it would be worth it to them to try and see what they could get for them, all of them. All right, so... Uh, this has been fun. Tim. Whee! <laughs> <laughs> the, the Funny story, Tim does that during the games. Usually and, on long balls. <laughs> my little thing that I do. And uh, My it, wife
2: does ask me, because I do all this stuff at home too, and she <laughs> says, do you do this in the press box? And I'm like, yeah, I actually do it more in the press <laughs> box. <laughs> I just do, uh, yeah, I'm a child. It, it, it,
0: I mean, we all kind of are. We cover a game for... for uh... We were all at, or Tim and
1: I were at Tyler's wedding yesterday, and he was... You know, Tyler's walking back down the aisle as they're leaving, and Tim lets out a woot woot <laughs> <laughs> in the
0: house of God, no less. So. Everybody was
2: cheering. Yeah. Hey, insane clown posse is, uh, is ch- our child, children of God, also. <laughs> I-
0: ICP. All right, so Tim, thank you. Matthew, thank you as always. Thank you all for listening to this rendition of the Bills Beat podcast. Next time we will talk to you. Will be on Thursday. Where hey, the Bills actually have a home game. Isn't that neat? And then two more road games after that. Alright, so talk to you on Thursday. See ya.